Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. And today we're talking with Brooke Napawaki about overcoming financial fear and perfectionism to live a life of financial wellness. I met Brooke through our local financial planning association. She's always willing to share, always helpful, and I just found her to be very interested in educating others. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, you got it. And part of this education is related to some workshops that really piqued my interest. Before we talk about that, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as a financial advisor. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in financial services for about 20 years. The first 11 years was in banking, and then um, now about eight, nine years as a financial advisor, financial planner. And so uh, we all have a lot of roles. So first, I have to say I'm a mother and a wife. So that keeps me busy on my own. My primary professional role is with Pegasus Partners. So I work as a wealth advisor. We're a family office and really mix customized investments, both public and private investment solutions with holistic financial planning. So we work with about 300 families. And I'm sure you feel this way, Jeremy. I feel like we struck you know, this awesome career where we do financial services, right? We have this analytical brain and we can do all the fun stuff, but we also have a helping profession. And so I really think of our career as a helping profession, just like a, a teacher or a nurse. Uh, and I have a lot of teachers in my family. So I, I feel like that's part of why I do a lot of speaking too. I just really want to educate and kind of reduce some of the fear. So I'm able to do that in my work and then was able to do it a little bit more through Be Financially Well, which is what we'll talk a little bit more about today. Yeah, you got it. I think we've got a similar connection. That's why I think we can get along so well is that I also have a lot of educators <laughs> in my family. My mom's a math teacher. My wife's an elementary school counselor. So I got a bit of the financial psychology that I love to yeah. <laughs> learn about too. And I really like that you mentioned first that you're a mother and a wife before we talked about your uh, career. I think that's just an excellent ordering for everyone. Although I will say it feels as if, and we're going to get into like gender roles a little bit today, but it feels as if it's easier or more expected for a female to say, I'm a mother and wife first before the career. And I think just kind of the combination of all this stuff is really why you're focused on these financial workshops for women specifically and girls too, because you started one with your daughter. That's just, that's just amazing. Uh, so that, I, th I threw yeah. a lot of stuff there, right there, but yeah. um, just tell me what prompted creating a female focused financial workshop. So I would agree with you, Jeremy, that, you know, gender norms are certainly still here with us, right? They don't go away magically. Uh, it's going to take multiple generations for that to move forward. And, and sometimes those gender norms are difficult for um, mothers, and sometimes they're difficult for fathers and men and women. And, and so I think, you know, part of my focus on women and the women's workshops is just my experience being a woman that likes to talk about money. I've just had a lot of people come up to me, right? They've asked me questions, their friends come and talk to me. And often it's in a reactive problem oriented situation, right? So I'm talking to women at a really low point, it might be financial abuse during a divorce. Um, it could be a widow that never had exposure 
to money before, and now they have a lot of questions. Someone's with a lot of student debt, right? And shame. So I think, you know, to your point, there are a lot of feelings that go along with money. Sometimes we try to ignore it, but I think really opening up that heart and being aware of feelings around money can help. And so that's where, you know, Be Financially Well came up because we wanted to talk some about financial literacy, improve financial confidence, but we wanted to also kind of peel that back and have people understand what really creates financial wellness. And that's a multidisciplinary approach. It's not just a budget or a balance sheet. You talked about kind of the feelings and almost exposure to money. And you and I have talked about this before. And I'm thinking, especially you mentioned widows. We've had a situation in our office recently where a widow was not opening her mail and was not responding to the phone calls and emails from us to review her investments. And we had a newer person kind of say, kind of like, well, what's what's the deal? And I said, well, it, I'm just assuming, and because we're having trouble getting a hold of this person, it, I have a feeling that she's got a lot of money anxiety, perhaps because she wasn't exposed to money uh, while her husband was living. And at the same time, every time you open up that financial statement, that was maybe an account that used to be your husband's, like there's a lot of financial feelings that are there that maybe a 25-year-old male doesn't pick up on, <laughs> right? And so I appreciate you kind of mentioning that, talking about that, and just related to all those, you created these workshops. Tell us a bit about these, these workshops kind of overall, and then how it works, focusing on girls, focusing on women. Yeah. All of the workshops that we do really focus, the theme is financial wellness, and we work through the five elements of financial wellness. And we can go into those later, but at a high level, their beliefs, behavior, worth, wealth, and purpose. So we walk through those and what they mean. And it's an interactive workshop. So for girls, part of the reason I started the girls workshop was during the pandemic, I was working from home. My daughter, Ellie, who's 13, was doing school from home and we would share our lunch hour. And we would watch the financial news so I could get my update. Because if you recall, Jeremy, there was a lot of volatility right early on in that pandemic. And she was really naturally interested. And I thought it was this unique opportunity for us to talk about the financial markets, the economy. And then also, you know, she certainly had some interest in some of the meme stocks as well. So we were able to just have this conversation. And I thought, you know, what if I not only focus on women, but we start earlier, right? And we can start with girls. And there's this just amazing compounding that they can have of financial confidence and financial literacy at a young age. So we started then developing kind of the girls workshops during the pandemic. And our goal is to kind of have at least one of those and their mother daughter workshops or guardian girl workshops and interactive and really kind of a nice mix of financial literacy, but also really building financial confidence and understanding, you know, what your emotions and behaviors look like with money. And then for women, those are primarily driven through different employee resource groups with companies. It could be different associations where there are groups of women, as well as employee benefits presentations. So if there's a wellness theme, um, that's something that I see a lot with employers. We want to make sure financial wellness is included, not just physical wellness or mental health, but I really want to see financial wellness coming through and, and for us not to be afraid, for employers not to be afraid to talk about that. Because if you think about it, right, if you're not financially well, certainly that um, seeps into to many areas, if not all areas of your life. Yeah, and... Um... 
some of the things I mentioned the word exposure, and I love that you're talking to girls because anyone needs this exposure early. And uh, just uh, something that really stuck with me for my whole life now is I was back in college and we were going to uh, just going out with some friends. Uh, but one of the, the lady that was driving, she said, I got to stop by the ATM first. We'll be get through the drive-through, we're at the ATM and she just stops and just isn't like moving. And we're kind of wondering what's going on. And then she starts crying and we say, what's, what's going on? She said, well, my dad was the one that always did this. I've never worked an ATM before. And of course her dad had just, you know, passed away a few months earlier. And that was just, that's like so impactful. Like I always think of that. And recently my, you know, it's like Christmas and birthdays and the kids get money uh, and I've got two daughters. So my wife said, oh, can you stop by and you know deposit these checks? No, I am not stopping by and depositing these checks. These girls are going to come in and deposit the checks uh, with us. And it's just all from that experience. Like yeah. It's not even a, a teaching of knowledge of well, here's what's a, a dollar and a check and a credit card or anything. It's just being even exposed to that uh, is so key. So I just, that's what really just got me interested in, okay, we got to talk because you got these mother-daughter workshops. That's amazing. Yeah, no, and that, and and I still see that, right? We see less 20-year-olds, but we still see it really frequently with boomer women. It's not always their husband. It can be their father that really still does everything for them, Mm -hmm. which is scary, right? Because that means their fathers are in their 80s and 90s and they're still, and they're still doing it. But I had a similar situation, you know, even with my daughter, you know, I'm always still learning and growing as a parent. It certainly is not something that I've mastered, but I wanted her to just go pay for something and you can't use cash for a lot of things. Right. Right. So I gave her my credit card to pay for it. And she was all nervous. And I was like, Oh, we really need to get, we need to get you comfortable with this. Right. To, to not be afraid, but to understand, right. The pros and cons of using a a credit card or a debit card. So that was one of our winter break projects as we got her signed up. So she has a debit card and we're going to be working on that kind of the first quarter together. But to your point, just to practice to actually do it. I think yeah. you know, if you have children or grandchildren in your life, just to, to do it together and just to have conversations, it doesn't have to be anything that you have to add to your life. I think that's the hard part. Working parents are so busy, but it can be like you're at Target and your child wants to buy something, like have a conversation there, do it, mm-hmm. do it in real time. You're already going to the bank, just like you did it, take your child with you so they can see it. So it, it doesn't always have to be something added, but sometimes we feel like we don't want to bother children. We're not bothering them, right? We're really preparing mm-hmm. them. Yeah, that's, that's good. And of course, uh, you get, everyone grows up. The girls uh, that I have grow up too quick, right? That's how it works <laughs> for everybody. And something that you mentioned to me earlier that I just didn't quite think of until you mentioned, I thought, wait a second, this, this makes sense where you said a lot of times it's time, fear, and perfectionism, especially the perfectionism like took me a little bit to, to really think through it, but it's time, fear, and perfectionism that can prevent women or girls you know, from being financially confident. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So as I was kind of starting to put together our thoughts for Be Financially Well, I came across a study by Anna Maria Lusardi. So the study is called Fearless Women. So I don't know if you can put that in your show notes or We've you can got Google. it ready to go. Yeah, great. So it's really a quite recent study as well. And I spent some time with it and I have a lot of anecdotal information, right? Uh, Because I talk with a lot of women, but this really helped me. And it also helped me think about girls. And one of the things that they found is when women and men both did a standard financial literacy test and they only had to choose from answers, they scored pretty similarly. There were some areas where women weren't quite as high, but it was pretty similar. 
But what the study found is when there was the, the addition of an I don't know option, women would put I don't know a lot, right? And so then they would score well much less often. So really what the study found was there's this confidence gap for women. But as I've done research and the, the study alluded to, it's also this perfectionist tendency. So women feel like if they're not going to be perfect at it, if they don't have all the answers, if they don't know everything, then they feel like they can't move forward, right? And what happens is particularly with something like investing, we know that you know two of the most important rules are to invest early and often. They're not doing that, right? They're not investing early and often. And so they're missing out on a lot of compounding that they could have had. And the reality is it's difficult. You know, it's impossible to make the perfect portfolio. It's impossible to have the perfect financial picture. We do this for a living. And I know I'm not perfect financially. And Jeremy, you probably aren't either. Maybe you're close, but you're probably not perfect. Okay. So I think just letting them know, you know yes, you want to be cautious. You want to take time. You want to be an educated investor. But you do need to take some action along the way. So knowing that it almost is kind of a fight or flight or internal conflict, knowing that you might just need to like push through that and be brave, like you might need to do with other things. And so that's part of the encouragement there. And then certainly, you know, from a time standpoint, there's just a lot of roles, right? And it's because of some of the social norms um, that we still have, um, and this isn't true for all households, but for many households, you know, if you're a working mother or a mother that stays home, you just have a lot of other roles and we divide and conquer in our households. And too often, um, I think long-term money topics like investing are taken control by a man. And that's not always true. And I think it's less and less true for younger couples, but it still is shown to be statistically more prevalent in activity that men do. So getting involved, if there's an advisor involved, right? Spending time with that advisor so you know who they are, I think is really, really helpful. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're talking a bit about gender norms, I think, or roles sometimes. But you mentioned meme stocks. And I feel like, uh, and I'm sure there's studies, there might be studies soon about it, where sometimes what happens with men or young men is this fear of missing out. Like, I better get in before I lose out. And when you talked about the uh, perfectionism, it really struck me a comment that came from someone who's actually a male, but he said, oh, I don't have FOMO, fear of missing out. I have fear of doing anything. Like he, yeah. he has yep. fear of doing anything mm -hmm. uh, because what if you make a mistake? And yeah. I think that's that connection where if you have a fear of making a mistake, you avoid starting that $50 a month into the Roth IRA or whatever it is that you have in there. And of course, the fact that it was a male that told me that uh, just reminds all of us that there are generally a financial spouse and a non-financial spouse. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the females that are the non-financial spouse. Yeah. There's almost always a non-financial spouse and a couple. And I think for you listening, like maybe that's just a good sign of finding a good financial advisor, where if you're the one who's a financial spouse and you are reaching out and talking with financial advisors and they are interested 
and encouraging and empowering the person who's the non-financial spouse, that's probably just a good sign you found the right advisor for you. Yeah. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. And they might adapt it a little, right? Like maybe like some people just don't have the patience or capacity for a full meeting. And, and again, busy. so it might just be 15 minutes, right? These are the cliff notes for you. Or mm-hmm. you said this topic was interesting to you, or it might be this decision, this pension or this social security decision is going to impact you for the rest of your life. So it's really important that you're here for that, right? So prioritizing it. But I agree. I think it's a great character trait of an advisor to try to include. And it doesn't always have to look the same. And I think advisors might need to be a little flexible and change it up a little. Yeah, that's for sure. And we're focused a lot on people that are planning for retirement. And Mm -hmm. when we were talking earlier, uh, we kind of broke it down and said, let's talk about some of the biggest mistakes. But I think hurdles is maybe a better word. Like, What are the biggest hurdles women have going into retirement? You mentioned one the perfectionism, the fear, which is prevents the kind of getting into the market and that compounding interest helping you out financially. You talked about the time, like you're Mm -hmm. kind of taking care of everyone else, but there's some other ones that are kind of unique. And one of them, especially around like healthcare, uh, long-term care. Tell me about that a little bit. You know, more often than not women, you know, they, they plan to retire around the age of 65, but the average retirement age is 62. So retiring early than we think we might. And often that's related to healthcare or caretaking. So again, the reality is just statistically, we're more often caretaking. That could be for a spouse. It could be for our children's children. That can look you know, different. But because of that, it's important to think about, are you taking care of your own needs, right? Like what is your healthcare plan and what is your long-term care plan? And not just yours, but if you're married, what is your spouse's long-term care plan? Because if they don't have one, you're probably their plan, right? And because statistically we're going to live longer, all of these healthcare and long-term care decisions are even more important for us. And, you know, when women are in long-term care, they tend to be there longer than men. So men typically pass sooner. So having, you know, the opportunity to plan for that for yourself, to have an open conversation, to work with a professional, I think it helps prevent some of the anxiety that women get as they get closer to retirement. Like the big lady concept, it sounds silly, but in our firm, I've already, you know, I hear a number of women say that, right? And they're they're really doing very well financially, but they still have that fear. So sometimes the best way to get through a fear is to work through it and like run the numbers, evaluate the plan and have a plan, right? Have it documented and communicate that with your family. And that's where, you know, having that relationship with the advisor can certainly help. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you'll hear my tagline later on for the podcast, but it's know more about your money. You will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Mm -hmm. And it it starts with the knowing. And unfortunately, sometimes people don't have the access to the the knowledge or they kind of stick their head in the sand about, about it. But it's just having that knowledge is what helps you feel better about money, which means that you naturally expose yourself more to things like money and you'll make those better money decisions. And it's interesting too, because I see all the time that people retire earlier than they expect. People mm-hmm. live longer than they expect. Yeah. And that's male and female. But I think it just gets compounded in the female world because um, I used to joke in live seminars. I haven't done too many live seminars lately with COVID. They're all webinars now. But it seems like when mom or dad have issues and they're like in their 80s or 90s, it's the uh, oldest male that takes care of the money for them. And it's the youngest female that takes care of the actual health issues. So it's not even just your own like 
dynamics of what you've chosen with your spouse and how you're approaching family, it's almost like these expectations that oftentimes cause the female to retire earlier, not because of her health. Like people think you'll retire early because my health changes. No, it's your parents' health that changes that's (laughs) causing you to retire earlier. Yep, exactly. And it's, it's so important too, because these decisions, uh, why I love working with retirement, people walking into retirement is that so many times you fill out a piece of paper one time and you're stuck with it the rest of life. And just what we said there, where it's the ladies that retire earlier because of a lot of reasons that live longer because of a lot of reasons, those one-time decisions are far more impactful to them. And I just had two calls yesterday with prospective clients. They were on our webinar. Uh, We talked to them afterwards and both of them had, uh, it was male. So they're they're fitting the the gender norms right there, there. but they both said two things that just really kind of graded on me is that both of them have pensions. Both the husbands are already retired. And I asked, what's the survivorship look like? And they both said, oh, we don't, we didn't bother to take on that survivorship. The first one said, well, I figured she'd be fine because she's working. And the other one said, well, I I ran the math and it didn't seem worth it. And so both of those were just like so personal male centric. It just really got to me like, oh my goodness. Like, did they even ask their wife their opinion? Did they bother to kind of look at it from both sides? It's just so impactful. Like if you're making a pension decision and you're the traditional male, female couple, like your decision as male is almost worthless. Like what really matters is how this is going to affect that female. Cause the odds are so yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, it got to me. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we're so just focused on this decision ahead of time. Like you fill out a piece of paper first, there needs to be two of you involved because there's two people that it affects. And actually if anyone gets more votes, it's the younger female. Cause she's the one that's going to deal with it yeah. a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. That makes me kind of think of some of the opportunities for for women. I was actually on a panel recently for Temple Milwaukee, which is a professional women's organization. And the the topic was called reimagining retirement. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited that Tempo did the session, not because I was on the panel, but because I think it's, it was so important to not just talk about all the numbers of retirement, but also to start to think about what's possible. And that's where I think, you know, financial planning and the work that we do, there also is creativity and curiosity that's involved and we can help, you know, the families that we work with explore. And so what we did is, you know, we really asked, there were a lot of different questions, but we, we said, you know, how can you spend the rest of your life in this new way? And you don't have to think about the past. You can, you know, obviously we all have financial restrictions in, in some, some way potentially, but you can really explore what's next. For some women, that's um, they have this amazing professional skill set. So I'm, you know, blessed to work with these brilliant women, and they might serve on paid boards, right? Or it might be that they want to volunteer, and they're a park ranger, you know, something like that, or they're a traveling nurse. And there's a new book. It's called The Upgrade. I don't remember the author, but you can find that in the we'll show. Look it up. We'll yeah, and it talks, and this is specific to women, but it actually talks about how. At this age of kind of approaching retirement into a retirement, it's this upgraded period for women because their brains are able to really just focus on their priorities and what they want. Often, if they're not caretaking, 
Uh, and so I think it's a really exciting time for women to start exploring retirement. And again, it might not even be that they want to retire, but now they get to use the skill set that they have in a, in a different way with more flexibility. So I'm very optimistic. I'm uh, bullish on women in retirement. And I think a lot of their research is showing, you know, why, because it's a, it's a time in their life that they can really enjoy and they can enjoy more if they do the planning, you know, that they need to do. Yeah. And uh, I love that you threw the finance term in there, uh, <laughs> bullish. That's awesome. You're exposing <laughs> us all to the good finance terms that are out there. Um, but it is uh, an interesting situation where financial services is more male dominated. And yet the studies show that female investors do better, like their creativity, their curiosity, their patience, they're oftentimes not interested. And in, let me beat the next guy that I think some of the guys are interested in. Like all those add up to where there's advantages to being female when you're approaching your yeah. finances. Yeah, it's, right. it's Once amazing. you get rid of that fear, yeah. you know, so many women, they're so financially smart, right? Because they just, just how they think, I don't know. I think they're just able to use all these different parts of their brains and mm -hmm. the questions that they ask. Once they're afraid of not looking, you know, not as smart as they want to be, and they let their guard down just a little bit, they open up and they ask brilliant questions. And they're really, I like to use the word, they're disciplined. They're really financially yes. disciplined. And so if they have a goal in mind, um, they'll move forward on it. But, but I often find that they can still be flexible. So if we have to course, you know, correct or redirect, they're able to do that. And again, that's not that men aren't, but I think that that is kind of a natural skill set, that discipline and the ability to follow a plan. I, I definitely hear less from women. Like I heard about this stock on the golf course, not just because mm -hmm. women golf less, but I just, <laughs> I just don't hear that as much, right? Like, because they yep. know the background of the plan, they understand how we're moving forward and they're, they're like on the bus and they're ready to, to move forward together. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. And I've got one more question for you, Brooke, okay. but before we get to that, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you. Yeah, so I, I think probably one of the best ways is going to be on LinkedIn. You can find out more about the work that I do and then also visit the Be Financially Well website. And I'm sure Jeremy will include that link for them. You got it. It'll all be there for you. And of course, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, uh, you can check us out at retirement-revealed.com. All right, final question, Brooke, for you. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember that this podcast is rated clean. <laughs> Okay, so I, I, um, I'm going to tell kind of a small childhood story and kind of how I got into business, which I think is yeah. funny. It goes back to my mom being a teacher. Okay, so if your mother's a teacher, you know that she's home with you for the summer. And I kind of feel bad for her because she ended up driving all the other kids around. But she, she would not rest a lot, but she did enjoy soap operas. That's why I'm named Brooke. There's a couple of Brooks and soap operas. But I also got a creative, like an interest in business because of this. So on Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful, the women were running businesses, like they were heavily involved in the business. And so I didn't have a background in business. My dad was a carpenter. My mom was a teacher. But that's really how I decided that I wanted to understand money and I wanted to be involved in finance and business. So it all came from a soap opera, which I think is kind of a, a fun story. That's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. And uh, thanks for coming on and just sharing us more about what you do professionally and with the Be Financially Well workshops and, and thanks. Thanks a lot for all you do, Brooke. Yeah, thank you. Good. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. 
If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.